0: Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports-related, please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Outside the Sheds, the show that just keeps on giving, Shedheads, and I think we know this, and welcome back. First off, I hope you guys got to take in this last week, the final regular season week for the NRL, round 25. I hope you were able to watch the AFL. And then I hope you got to see Jimmy Maloney doing Jimmy Maloney things over in the Super League. All that being said... The most important thing is you're back here. Right time, right channel, right station, right moment. Because let's get into this. Let's get into Outside the Sheds. I'm your host Corey Jackson, you know this already. And I am beyond excited. I don't know, I don't know really how to put it into words. The enthusiasm and the excitement that's coursing through my limbs, my appendages Everything right now as we get ready to get into finals for not just the AFL but the NRL and, and Super League right around the corner as well. Now, I don't know if you guys know that number, if you have a favorite number. Right now, my, my favorite number is 8. And you might wonder why I'm saying my favorite number is 8, but I'm going to help you with why my favorite number is 8. Because my favorite number is 8 because your domus went 8 for 10 for the picks for this last week. Now, all my my, my friends, brethren, and family down under in Australia and New Zealand, I hope you're taking advantage of this. And nowadays, you don't even have to be in those places to find a good, how should I say, booker. Uh, yeah, I forgot gambling's legal now, right? Um, that can put this money down. Because you could be bringing something in. You could be bringing in a little side change. But we went 8 for 10. And I told you, Shedheads, a couple weeks ago, this is my time. This is when we get hot. This is when we bring it in. And I'm going to do some calculations for next week's episode that shows you what my strike rate is in picking some of these matches. But 8 for 10 is pretty darn good. And if it wasn't for the Sharkies not deciding to, quote-unquote, fight for their playoff lives and for the Warriors to already be back uh in Rotorua instead of quote-unquote allegedly being in Australia playing their last game of the season maybe we could have done something better but we won't talk about that right now and we're not going to talk bad about teams that are now how should I say trying to keep the dirt from being too heavy on their head let's get into these first these picks from last round go over some of the stories that are going down and let's get into the dirt let's go Uh, Starting it off, it all began Thursday night. Roosters 40, Raiders 16. And I have to admit, I picked the Roosters. I thought the Chookies would win the match. I'm very, I was a little bit disappointed. And I think this match for the Raiders showed just how discombobulated the team was all season. They had everything to play for. They knew what they had to do. And they still found a way to only score 16 points. In a must-win match. And a Roosters team that was playing without JWH, their spiritual leader, Jarawaria Hargraves, not even in the lineup. And they still, still trampled the Raiders. And if you don't think that Robbo, Trent Robinson is one of the best coaches in rugby league, not in the NRL, but in rugby league, you're out of your mind. For the, for the results, this man is getting his team to produce with the loss that they've experienced all season tells you everything you need to about Robbo and and about the Roosters' way. So congratulations. Strong finish for the Chooks. Storm 28, Shark 16. Storm wraps up the minor premiership. And the Sharkies, well, you, you can't say, you can't look down on the Sharks for the season they had. Yeah, they probably wish they could have had a little bit more to go over the strike. and I I maybe picked the match a little bit more out of hope than anything else because I really think, and des- I think that the Sharks of the Raiders, Sharks, and Titans, I did think the Sharks deserved that eighth spot more than any of those three teams. But just because you deserve something doesn't mean you get it. Uh, and again, we're going to get into the storm in a little bit. And we're going to go over um, what they did in that round. Panthers forty eels six, the Panthers roll, and I think the eels, I think the eels might have done something that they might end up regretting by resting their players after a big victory that they had, uh, keeping the storm from breaking the the, the record uh, with twenty victories in a row, but I really think this is going to be something we look back and s- asking if. Um, If they probably shouldn't have played more of their starters in that match. Because the Panthers did. And the Panthers are firing. A lot of people say they're easily the pick to win the championship. um, But they continue. 40-6. to Broncos 35. Knights 22. Milford. Kevy. Those are the two words I want you to think right now. Because Anthony Milford has revitalized his career. Even though it will not be in the maroon. It's going to be down... With the boys in South Sydney. But I'm going to say Anthony Milford looks like he's enjoying footy again. Maybe he was enjoying that he knew he only had a few matches left uh, for the Broncos. And he was going to be out of there. But this guy has got a jump back in his step. He looks like he's leaner than, than he had been for a while. And he looks like he is that strike component that a lot of people thought that he was going to really continue to be after that 2015 grand final. But it didn't happen. And now he's finding his way out of town. But Kevvy stayed on course. And the Broncos, you have to say, looked really good towards the end of the season. There was even a couple of matches they lost. They really had a good shot, shot at winning. And I think that shows that you have to stay to your plan. And you have to say that Ben Eiken's doing some good moves up there. And it's taken some of the weight off of Kevy's shoulders and letting him do what he really wanted to do, and that's coach. But congratulations to the Broncos. Now, on the other hand, the Knights, a Knights team that had been on fire, a Knights team that had been on the strike, and they just looked like they dropped an egg, plain and simple. And if it wasn't for Brisbane still kind of learning how to win again and hold on to a lead, that game wasn't even that close. The Knights did make a little bit of a run late, but you wonder if this is going to affect kind of like the Eels, and I think, I think that's the thing that might even this game up, the Knights and the Eels, is the Eels rested players, the Knights didn't, but they both had pretty bad performances. So both of them probably are going to want to wipe this last round from their memory to go forward, but congratulations to the Broncos, and we'll see what the Knights have in store for them this weekend. Seagulls 46, Cowboys 18. I, I don't even know what to tell you. I, I really don't even know what to say about this manly Seagulls team. It's so crazy that a a DCE, a Daily Cherry Evans golden point kick to beat the Warriors maybe kept and allowed the Seagulls not to fire Desi's back. Back again in round five. And they snuck out of dodge with a victory, snapping their four-game win the streak. And where that team might have been, you know, there was a lot of talk that Desi had missed his point, that, you know, Desi was off the boil, Desi just couldn't get the best out of his team anymore, you know, that this is the end of Desi, blah, 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 blah. But instead, they stayed the course, Turbo came back, and look where this team is now. I will tell you, Shedheads, right now, the Manly Seagulls, to me, might be the most dangerous team in the competition. The most dangerous team, this might be the most dangerous fourth place team that we've seen in years going into the finals. There's not, it's not often that you can hear experts, including moi, say that Manly has a is a true chance of winning this entire thing from the fourth position. And I'm telling you right now, shed heads, if you put money down on Manley, it's it's maybe one of the strongest bets you're going to have without just putting your money on chalk, which would be the number 1 seed. But again, we're going to get into Manly in a little bit more detail too uh, as we go forward. Rabido's 20, Dragon 16, Benji and the Baby Bunnies uh win they take care of business, even with a side that was resting quite a few players. It's good to see Benji get to stretch those old legs out, get out there, run the side, run around a little bit. Uh and like Benji said, I think Benji would love to play till he's forty years old. I think he's motivated by these older players, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. But you've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got just guys that are playing later in their careers. And let's just that's just talking football. LeBron James isn't young anymore either. And he's still, a lot of people say, the best player in basketball. So I think Benji is has been revitalized with this move. I think Benji is looking across the channel at the West Tigers and saying how he would feel like he probably would have retired for sure. I think that the word have already been in, Benji's done after this season. Because I think it would have just broken, just being in that shed. But he's not. And it's curious to see what he does going forward. But, that being said, Rabbitohs get that last victory to to end the regular season. And they go in the finals with a win. Titans 44, Warriors nothing. Uh, Titans did what they had to do. Titans did what they had to do. And I'm going to get into a longer segment about the Titans here in a matter of moments. But they held serve. They won when the two teams that could have held them out both dropped their egg. Bulldogs 38, Tigers nothing. The dogs, the wooden spoon, sharpened the end of that wooden spoon and stuck that stake right into the Tigers' heart to end the season and possibly, quite possibly, Madge's coaching tenure at the team. Especially with rumors coming out just a few minutes ago that the Tigers' review board has just called in Luke Brooks to sit down with them to talk about what he thinks about Madge McGuire going forward. But I can't control that, and and it's going to be interesting to see what Luke Brooks quote-unquote says or doesn't say, as we always know. But the Dogs played incredible football. I know they had a lot of players that knew this was the last game they were going to actually be in a Bulldogs jersey. And, man, they played with some fire to them. A team that had nothing to play for showed what what a team can do if they have heart and belief. And if you haven't watched the last few rounds, the Bulldogs have probably been playing just as good a football as the Tigers. They just weren't getting the results. Not that the Tigers were getting tons of results, but that's why I picked them. That's why I picked the Dogs to beat the Tigers. I just thought one of the teams was trending in a different direction while another team really just wanted the season to end. So that's the scores. And like I said, we went uh, went, uh, six for eight there with those picks. So we did well. We did very, very well. Um, But let's go into a little bit more in depth about these matches. A couple couple things I want to really hit on. Ryan Pappenhausen. Ryan Pappenhausen. I've told you all season, one of my favorite players in the game, you know, watching him run down with this freaking lock of hair just blowing behind him like a Viking. Pappenhausen gets three tries, a lot, You know, what, what happens? In, in a, moment, a matter of moments, the, the dial is switched now that Ryan Pappenhausen's back, right? Ryan Pappenhausen's back. I don't know if Ryan Pappenhausen's fully back. I, myself, would still be starting Nico Hines at the fullback position. I've told you this. But he did get his three tries. He did look like a little bit more of the Ryan Pappenhausen from the beginning of the season. And the most important thing, he helped lead Craig Bellamy's boys his boys, the Melbourne Storm, to their minor premiership championship. And the Sharks put up a fight. The Sharks tried to do what they needed to do, but they were just playing a superior team. And and, and no matter what you say, uh, or you know how much you thought the Sharks, or like I said, deep down I wanted the Sharks to get in because I thought they deserved it. Um, they just they just didn't have the strike to go with Melbourne. But I'm going to say this right now. And we'll get into this when we pick this when we pick the uh, picks for 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 week one, the finals. They're in a fight. They are going to be in a big time fight against against Manley, and I really think it comes down to Craig Bellamy's choices of who he starts. It's come out that he's going to start Pappenhausen in the fullback position, but he's going to do what I I really stressed last week and a couple of weeks ago. Start the hectic cheese at the nine, at the dummy half roll, and and, and bring in his, 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 his Harry Grant replacement later on in the game. Bring in Harry for a spark later on. Now, he's going to do that, but I think starting Nico Hines on the bench is going to be troublesome. And I will get into this. I'm not, gonna, I'm not hedging early. I'm not going to say any of that stuff. But Craig Bellamy has to do some real Craig Bellamy things. And you have to understand, Craig Bellamy, the only losing record he has against any coach is against Desi. 15 for 17. So there's a, there's a strike right there. There's a rivalry right there. And, Des, and that shows to me Desi knows what it takes to beat Belly Egg. Now the question is if he truthfully can get it out of his young Seagulls. Now, as I speak about the Seagulls, let's just transition and continue to talk about the Seagulls and their performance. And I don't think I had to go much farther than say two words. Tom Travojevich. Tom Travojevich. Tom Travojevich. Okay, there's six. But it's all the same word. Turbo, to me, showed why he's probably the leader in the Daily M race and why his performance could actually take his team to lift in the trophy at the end of the season. Now, it wasn't just Turbo. You had a guy that was a cast off in Ruben Garrick, who Desi took a chance on. And you've seen him slowly, week after week after week after week after week, put in performance after performance. But it started because of belief, and belief in himself, and belief in his game. And that belief ends up taking him to being now and breaking El Masri's points record for a season. Garrick finishes with 304 points. And that's incredible. Now, a lot of people are going to say that is because of how the game has changed and how it's more offensive than defensive. True. I'll I'll give you that. But that it's Ruben Garrick that did it. And how Ruben Garrick did it, was playing week in and week out, very, very strong football. A boot that is challenging to anybody in the game. I'm saying his conversion rate is through the roof. But that is what Manley's got going for him. They've got young with old. they got DCE. they got Kieran Foran running the halves. You've got Saab. You've got Garrick. You got Turbo, you got Jake. I just, I'm just telling you right now, this team has really rounded itself into a very, 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 very dangerous club and a very dangerous side. And if you want more proof of how excited people are for this, this is a sold out game. This Manly storm is a sold out game. Melbourne against Manly. And I said earlier, a few weeks ago, if you don't remember, I said, we're going to see the Battle of Brookvale 2 after they played last. And I told you that Desi is going to leave that match, even though they lost the last match when they played against each other. I said Desi took a lot out of that. And yes, Croker is out. He's not going to be playing in the dummy half position. He's injured. But that is the only missing component that is not with the side, and I just I really feel that that Manly. I'm not hedging, I'm not gonna hedge, I'm not gonna hedge. But congratulations to Ruben Garrick for breaking the record, Al Mazery's record, and congratulations for the Sea Eagles to put down the try of the season. And I don't know if you guys didn't see that, but if you get a chance, check out Manly's try. Round 25, Ruben Garrett, put it whatever in your search. It's on YouTube, blah, 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 if you haven't seen it already. It's one of the most incredible tries I've ever seen. A lot of people are comparing it to the try that Ben Barber uh, pulled off when he ran the ball almost the entire length of the field back in, 20, I think, 2012 that that try was uh, for the Bulldogs when Benny Barber was on top of his game. But make sure you check that out because it was pretty darn incredible. And finally... I want to talk about the Gold Coast Titans because they saved their best performance for the last game and their most important game of the season with their 44-0 blowout of the New Zealand Warriors. And I really thought the Warriors were going to show a little bit more strike, a little bit more heart uh, in that last game, and and they just didn't have it. I'm saying the only the only somewhat heart and drive they showed was 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 was, was Matt Lodge and Kane Evans. Trying to go punch a punch against the team, uh, and I didn't know what was going on there. I, you know, we know that Matt Lodge has a little bit of a short fuse, and he's really, you know, he almost got, how should I say, booted from the game altogether because of a altercation that he had in New York City when he was playing with the Tigers. But he might have some, a little bit of a temper issue, as we might say. But that that is the only strike that the that the Warriors showed. That was it. And, and 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 we found a new all-star for the Titans. I'm saying Jaden Campbell, this young guy, what does he weigh? 103 pounds? I'm saying he's he's a tiny dude. And but he's electricity. He's electricity. He's following the footsteps of his dad. And The magic, you know, he's playing for his club that he watched his dad play for. And to see the pride in his dad's eyes as he watches his son play. I don't know. I'm just going to say that the Titans have now set themselves up with a lot of confidence going into the finals. I don't think they're going to beat the Roosters. Okay, I just hedged there a little bit. But I think they're going to give the Roosters a tougher match. Than they probably would have two or three weeks ago. And it's all about confidence. Any coach will tell you going into a final series, it's about the confidence inside your sheds and with your players. And you have to think that they have a lot of confidence going into week one. So that was my talking points for the round. Again, let's just say that again six for eight, six for eight, six for eight. Now, in the 40-20, some really, really, it's not troubling, very, very unique news. I wasn't expecting to hear this, especially after the origin series ended. But the Queensland Rugby League has decided to part ways with Paul Green. They mutually have said they're going to part ways and go in a different direction. Now, this heads a lot of people thinking that either Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, JT, Jonathan Thurston that one of those three guys or all three of them may be the coach for the Queensland club going forward. I think a lot of people are hedging that That Billy Slater is, I guess, the guy in the catbird seat right now, that a lot of people think that Billy is going to be the one that's going to get the, 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 the I guess, the coaching role. But I don't think even if he gets it, he will be coaching by himself. I think there will be quite a few of those guys that are going to be surrounding him Uh, in those coaching decisions and in coaching the team period now a lot of people feel that it's too early for these guys to take over the the, you know the role Uh, but when Wayne Bennett turned it down and said that he is not interested to coming back uh, I think Wayne is hedging towards being a head coach again I don't know if it's for quote-unquote let's say that again quote-unquote possibly one of the new Brisbane teams but I think Wayne wants to coach again, and you know Wayne isn't getting any younger. I'm saying Wayne is old Clint Eastwood's in his 70s. So I don't really know, but I do think it's very, very unique, and it makes me wonder if Paul Green has been getting some smoke blown in his direction that there are a couple clubs that are looking possibly about adding him as a coach for the side. And I think probably Queensland Rugby asked him to confirm some of the rumors that they've heard, and... You know, Paul Green has never once hidden from Queensland rugby that that is his dream, to coach an NRL side. And if that's your dream, that is your dream. So it was a very unique move. Uh, I did not expect it. I don't think a lot of people expected it. But it makes sense that, you know, listening to the, the the old boys of the Maroons, your Cooper Cronk, your players, they very much are into having a Queensland coach that that's all that he is worried about is coaching cl- Queensland up year in and year out, and that should be the only thing you're thinking about. You shouldn't be thinking about an NRL club. You shouldn't be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. You should be thinking about where you're going to go on vacation. You should just be thinking Queensland Rugby League. And after the performance they've had the last, after you know last year's series or this previous series, I guess, and I shouldn't say last year because they somehow found a way to win the, the series uh, under Wayne Beddins tutelage, but. It's gonna be interesting to see where they go. Uh, are they trying to go younger because Freddie being younger I don't know, but it is a it's a big call by Queensland and I I kind of think that it looks a little bit of a, like a desperate call but only time will tell and by no means am I saying that Billy Slater uh, can't be a leader and a coach because I think that's what Billy really really wants to do but uh, Queensland making some big big moves. Now, I told you about the Tigers, the old west Tigers, western suburb Tigers, and their miserable season, and now after their 38 to nothing drubbing at the hands of the Canterbury Bulldogs, everything's in disarray, but by this time, Tim Sheens was supposed to be back in Australia. Tim Sheens was leaving England, coming back to Australia. He was supposed to be with the Tigers the last, I think, four rounds of the season. So he could kind of watch and monitor and get his feeling on the pulse in the room, to get his feeling on what he thought was going on with the team. But because of the incredible COVID and how it's affecting everybody who wants to believe that COVID is still going on, if you had a brain, um, Tim Sheens was not able to get back into the country. So he's been doing like a lot of people have been doing, and that's dealing with Zoom. Now, that doesn't help the Tigers because Justin Pasco and, and the board are saying now they're going to put Madge and the team on a review. And this review is going to consist of interviews with players uh, and just talking amongst themselves and with other people. They're not saying everything they're doing. And like I just told you a few minutes ago, they are calling in Luke Brooks today to talk with them about his feeling. But everyone has a feeling on it. It's funny how a lot of the old boys, your Gus Goulds, and some writers that are a little bit older, are really behind Team Match. Team Match. Team Match. And my thing is, I've told you shitheads for weeks that Michael McGuire isn't the right coach for the Tigers. Michael McGuire does not preach the right type of structure that a Tigers team runs with. He doesn't have the flair that the Tigers team is supposed to have. And anytime the Tigers have been successful, that's what that team has been. But for whatever reason, Pasco and some of these guys wanted to get hard. They wanted a, a coach that came in and had a, a, mili- a military-type doctrine. Hold him to the sword. Make sure that they hold themselves accountable. And the problem with that is you can't make a zebra a dog. A zebra spots, spar- excuse me, a zebra's spots slash stripes are what they are. And a zebra's a zebra. And a tiger, maybe I should use that, right? A tiger stripes are a tiger stripes. A tiger can't be an elephant, can't be a water buffalo, a tiger's a tiger. And his stripes are always going to be black and orange, unless they're white and orange, and that's a different uniform to the Tigers wore. But I really have a bad a problem with this. I think, yes, I think you could look at Pasco, and I think that he probably needs to be gone as well, because I think if you look at what has happened with the West Tigers and all the players, and we've run over this, all the players they've lost who are now all-stars at other teams, right? That's one. Two, they can't get players to sign there. And the only reason Jackson Hastings signed the dotted line so quickly is because that is his lifeline to get back into Australia. He probably would have signed with, you know, the Corey Jackson Barnstormers if if we could have paid him a good salary just so he could get back over to Australia. That's always been his dream is to play back at home, right? And I can understand that. I understand that totally. For Jackson Hastings. And I think he's that type of player. I'm saying he's the man of steel over there for last year. So that's cool. And and it's going to be exciting. But that's the only player they could get. No one else wants to go there. And I think that you're insane if you think it's because players don't want to play under that type of just that, that non-flinching anger in your face that Madge McGuire has that's just not what what young players want in today's day and age in today's game and so this is a huge call and I'm still standing my gun I told you I would be over the moon if the Tigers hired Christian Wolf, but why the hell would Christian Wolf want to leave St. Helens I'm saying he's got the gig of gigs again he's going to be playing for probably for a championship again this year And unless he just wants the challenge of all challenges, why would he leave a team with the structure that St. Helens has to come into the unstructured of the West Tigers? Now, could he do things? Heck yeah, he could. But why does a coach want that? And a lot of coaches will say because they want the challenge. I understand that. But that's a lot to bite off. And my other guy is Shane Flanagan. I think Shane Flanagan could do some pretty incredible things. Um... I think he'd probably bring his bro- his his son over from Canterbury if if he got it got that gig. And no matter what you say, I still say Adam Dewey's a better center than he is a 5'8". And putting Kyle Flanagan in the halves with Jackson Hastings, I think would be an all-right setup for the for the Tigers going forward. But a lot of things have to happen for that to happen. And that would be hiring coach. Flanagan to make that happen so it's going to be very very it's going to be a very unique time here and I'm watching the news every day and hitting refresh to see when that call comes but I think if the Tigers want to go forward in the right direction they've got to move in a different direction than Madge I've said it for weeks and you know that Shedheads well big news it's it's official now Suncorp Stadium has been named the host for the 2021 Grand Final and it's the first time that the grand final will not be played in Sydney. The grand final is going to be October 3rd over here in America. It's at 3.30 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Late night, but it's worth it. But it will be the first time. And I think that that, that Suncorp deserves it. I'm saying Queensland has kept, kept the game afloat. It has helped the NRL continue to do what it needed to do. Yes, there were some hiccups along the way. But Queensland has stepped up. And I've been very, very excited to see the game being played at some of the rural communities over there. Um, Some of the country footy getting to see, some some big-time footy. But Suncorp Stadium is the venue for the Grand Final. So congratulations to Suncorp. I know that they feel like that has been long, how should I say, long overdue to host the Grand Final. Now, ending this right now with the big story that I have, that big match that I really want to see, is news out of the sheds for the Melbourne Storm about Cameron Munster, Josh Adokar. Cameron Munster has been named in the side to play for the Storm tonight, tomorrow morning, whatever you want to say. Now, he had a cut in his knee that needed to be surgically cleaned out. And this cut and this surgical clean-out had to have, how should I say, stitches. It had to be sealed back up. And that is the worry that the Storm have. They're worried that, you know, they, when you saw him in the training paddock uh, a day or two ago, he was strapped up, that leg was, and they were trying to keep it from being banged up. And by the end of practice, he had all the, all the strapping pretty much removed. But the Storm are worried that he could pop those stitches. And if those stitches get popped and he gets more dirt, debris, or whatever into that wound, especially after having been surgically cleaned out already once, that this could rule Cameron Munster out for a little bit of time. Now, we all know that Cameron Munster is going to be needed for them to win the Premiership if, if that's what the Storm are going to do this year. He is He's that key of a piece. So do you sit him and, and not have him play against Manly? And I don't think you can do that. I think, I think Bellyache knows he's got to have Munster in there. He's saying the decision's up to him. But again, what player, knowing how big of a game and a game situation is, what player is going to say, nah, I really don't feel up to playing and won't do what he has to do to play. So it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see if Cameron Munster takes the field uh, in a matter of hours to play against the Sea Eagles and how much strike he really has and what they do to kind of try to protect him and to shield him because I don't think Cameron Munster is much of a guy that likes to protect himself and shield himself it's not the Munster way but it's going to be fascinating to see how he gets through that match and don't forget the Sea Eagles know this the Sea Eagles know that that is a leg that is compromised and what happens during the match now that's that's Cameron Munster Josh Adokar is out. That hamstring is not healed up. They're not going to put the Ferrari out there. The Fox will not be running around the field. He will not be trying to do Fox things. They're saying that he will be possibly and probably available for their next game. Now, the question is, is that two weeks from now or is that next weekend? And that's that's why this is so important for the Storm to win tonight, tomorrow morning. It's so important because if they can find a way to win... They can rest Munster. They can rest Josh Adelcar. They can rest the Fox. And let them heal up a little bit longer. But if they're thrust back in there next week, if they can't get over the top of Manley, I, I, I've i got to say, it it really puts them in a haze of if they make it to the grand final. I think if they are going to play in the grand final, the Storm have to win tonight. They have to. Because if they don't, I I think that the the trials on those players will be too much. And I think that they they, they won't make it there. So, big, big call on Cameron Munster. uh, And like I said, we'll have to see. But again, that gives us a little bit more intrigue like we need it anymore for tonight's match between the Sea Eagles and the Storm. The Battle of Brookie. All right. I hope you're ready. Let's get into it. Finals week one. Let's keep this streak, this performance we've got. The Shed Adamas. I'm putting on my hat right now. I'm putting my hat on. Putting it on to make these picks. And here we go. Friday. Sea Eagles versus the Storm. And I said I wasn't going to hedge so I could get to this moment. And Shed Heads, I'm going to say something. I know the minor premieres have looked dangerous all season. But I'm also one of those type of guys that that I've got to have that feeling. And I and you've got to show me a little something for me to pick you. And right now, Manly's shown me that these young guns are ready. I think Kieran Foran knows that this could be one of his last go-arounds to try to win another championship. Win another premiership. DCE, the same. And I just think Manley's—it's it, it, their time. So I've got Manley upsetting the storm and winning tonight. Saturday, Titans versus the Roosters. You've got a—you've got a team that is in full strike capability against a team that is duct taped up, but has a lot of guys coming back. Besides the guys that are retired because they got too beat up. And I know that the hot pick right now is to take the Titans because of how well they played last week. But again, that would mean that I would have to go against Robbo. And I don't feel like it's in me to go against Trent Robinson at this current time. I think that the the Roosters are going to do Roosters things, and I think they're going to show their excellence. It may not be an easy match, but I think the Roosters get it done. Then we have the Rabbitohs versus the Panthers. Does Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Brian Ta'o, do they get over the top and continue their march towards what they feel should be their premiership this year since they they were only moments away from winning it last year? And then you've got a Bunnies team that have got some rested players that know that this is their last chance to try to get Adam Reynolds and Wayne Bennett their premiership, but it's going to have to be a victory against the Penny Panthers. All that being said, I, I do feel that Ivan Cleary's boys have just too much strike. I think that they are probably one of the favorites for sure to win this, 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 this playoff series. And I've got the Panthers coming over the top and beating the Rabbitohs. Sunday, Knights versus the Eels. To me, to me this is the toughest game to pick. Because you just don't know which team is going to come out firing. Because the Knights didn't look good last, you know, in round 25. The Eels were resting everybody. I don't know how healthy Gutho really is. You know, the last time we saw him, he was kind of hobbling off the field. And King Gutho is key for the Eels. And I'm going to do this. This is my first big upset. I am going to take the Knights over the Eels. I think Mitchell Pierce, Jake Clifford. I just think that these guys are gonna put it together. I think that this was a hot team until last round, and I think they know that they can beat the Eels. And I think it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a really really fun match to watch. And I think, like I said, not many people know which team is gonna actually look the best going into this match because of the way that both teams were last round. But I've got the Knights. I really just feel the Knights. Are going to pull an upset here. So, picks wise. Sea Eagles, Roosters, Panthers, and Knights are my picks for finals week one. Now, let's go across to my other favorite ball. The AFL. And we start off with your Shetadama saying uh, two for two on picks. And let's get in those matches. Geelong 103, the Giants 68. And the Bulldogs seventy nine and the Lions seventy eight. Even though the Geelong Giants match did not look close on the scoreboard, it was a heck of a match. And Tom Hawkins five goals shows you why this guy is just strike. Tom Hawkins, you know, he changed his body two two seasons ago. I guess he came back two three seasons ago. He came back. You know, and he was he was he was trim. He was cut. He'd taken off a little bit of the baby fat, even though he's a grown man. I don't know why you call it baby fat, but Tom Hawkins changed himself because he knew if he wanted to prolong his career, he had to change his body, and he did, and he's played that way, and five tries, three of them being in the last quarter when his team needed it, shows you how much of a clutch player this is. Now... The match really looks like a blowout on paper, and it got really close because the Giants, even playing without Toby Green and Jesse Hogan, really tried a push in the third to try to get back into it. And it got a little worrisome for the Geelong Cats. I know it did. They started to feel, they started to feel a little tap on the shoulder and looking in the rearview mirror at a Giants team that were, were flying against them. But the Cats were too much. And you can't you can't beat a Geelong side when you're missing players like Toby Green and Jesse Hogan. It just isn't going to happen. And it didn't happen for him. But again, what does this does? It puts Geelong back into a preliminary final where it just always seems like they're at. Scott gets those guys up year after year after year after year. And they play for him. And it, it is pretty darn exciting to watch. And and, and Patrick Dangerfield isn't even playing up to what a lot of people expect Patrick Dangerfield to play like. That's the other crazy thing about it, right? But Dangerfield has a chance to find a strike because he's got two more matches if he's going to win the grand final that he can still show up and steal himself um, some big-time accolades and get himself that trophy and that flag that he's been trying to obtain. So good job to the Cats. Big match for them coming up this week. The next semifinal was insane. The doggies against the Lions. The bark against the roar. And this match, I the ups and downs of this match was just incredible. I'm saying the Brisbane people were out there in full throat, full support for the Lions. Charlie Cameron doing Charlie Cameron things. I don't know how that guy hasn't broken his wrist from him throttling that chopper as much as he does. But the Giants, excuse me, one of the Giants, the Lions looked like they were so in control of this match at times. I'm saying in the third quarter, they were up by 12 points. And, and, and they really were close. Charlie kind of missed a kick. They really looked like they were getting ready to go over the top, and the dogs were in trouble. But the dogs just wouldn't go away. And if you look on paper, the lions looked like they should have won that match. They they really controlled a lot of that match, and that's when I say sometimes it comes down to the heart of a team. And it's not like it's not like the lions don't believe and don't have heart. It's just that for whatever reason, the dogs just would not let go. That, lock, that, that bulldog lock jaw locked in. And the crazy thing is, Bailey, Bailey Smith running down the field, locks blowing the wind, looking like, looking like an AFL version of Pappenhausen, kicked a huge goal late, about two minutes ago in the match, right? And it looked like he had got the dogs home with this which was insane to think about because, you know, you could feel that that Lions crowd kind of going, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on here? But then Zach Bailey comes back and kicks a goal 45 seconds later for the Lions, and we're tied again. It was insane, the back and forth of these two teams and how they just would not take a step back. It was kind of like that last round of 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 a heavyweight competition where a belt's on the line, and these two guys know they've got to both win the 15th or the 12th. And they just went at it. They just went at it. And it's crazy to think that a Vandermeer grubber across the, the goal line uh, for a behind was going to be the difference maker in the match. That's, that's the flukeness of, of what happens in this. And a lot of people didn't think he was even going to make put his boot the boot to the ball. But he did. And the dogs, I'm going to say this: pulled a victory out of the fire. They, they, I have no idea almost how they did it. A lot of the crowd and their reaction. If you looked at Charlie Cameron and some of the Lions players after the match, sitting on the field, they were kind of in shock that they had just lost that match. They were kind of in shock. But the Road Dogs, they pull it off again. What is this? What year is this? 2016. They're one road victory away. From going back to the Grand Final and doing what, again, a team outside the top four, even though they were eighth last time when they won the Grand Final in 2016. But they're that close. They're this close to doing an almost unheard of thing twice in five years. Now, that thing they're going to have to do is go on the road to Adelaide and beat the power on Adelaide Oval. So... And not so fast, okay? But it's an incredible story up to this point for the Western Bulldogs. And congratulations with a heart-stopping victory against the Lions. Now, in a surprising move and news after that match, all of a sudden news starts breaking that Lockie Neal is talking about wanting to get traded back to the Fremantle Dockers. And that really caught me off guard. And, and I think it's a perfect place to start on the mark so we can start talking about some of these stories um, I guess coming out of this last round and what's going on in the AFL but that really that caught me off guard because you don't usually force your way to get out of a place and then say you want to force your way back in that place and that's what it kind of seemed like with me that Lockie Neal just doesn't really know what home really is and what it's supposed to feel like now for Lions fans they were able to breathe again when he finally came out a couple days after this news broke and said no I'm going to stay here I'm a Brisbane Lion now uh, I'm not looking to go back to Fremantle but for a couple of days there uh, people were breathing with snorkels and with uh, breathing apparatuses trying to get oxygen in their lungs as they tried to act like they weren't worried that Lockie Neal was going to leave the club now the Broncos excuse me the Broncos at least the Brisbane team right the Lions doubled down and said they were not going to Uh, Allow Lockie Neal to force his way out of town, which they didn't. I think that's perfect. I don't. I like the power of the player, but when you sign a contract, you sign a contract. I've always felt that way too. And there's no reason they had to let Lockie Neal leave. But we don't have to talk about that anymore because he says, allegedly, that he's happy that they're going to stay, that he's going to stay, his family's going to stay with the Brisbane Lions. Good news for the Dogs fans. More stories coming out of that, that war that we saw this weekend. We saw late in the game Marcus Bontepelli going down with a knee injury. No one knew how serious it was. He did need assistance from the field. That had a lot of people in, in Dogs country concerned for their captain. Well, Luke Beveridge has now kind of put it to rest and put it to bed a little bit. He's saying that he's very, very optimistic that uh, Marcus is going to be in the lineup, that he's going to be able to play this weekend. And I will tell you, he better be in the lineup to play this weekend because they're going to need all, all of the strike they can. Because it looks like Whiteman's out. Waitman, I like to call him Whiteman. Waitman is out. The big W is not going to play this week because of a concussion. Which I can't think of a better replacement than Johannesson being back in the lineup because I don't know why he's not in the lineup in the first place for the Dogs. But they better have, you know, Johannesson better be playing at the top of his game and they better have their captain, no matter optimistic or not by Coach Beveridge because the power are, are, are ready. The power are sitting there. They have been held back from making it to the grand final a few times now and I don't think there's going to be much to hold them back. Now speaking of the Port Adelaide power, it has been now confirmed that their forward Mitch Georgiadis is out uh, for this week. That he's not going to come back. He got injured in round 23 with that hamstring against the Dogs uh, the last time they played, but he is not cleared. That hamstring just will not heal up, uh, and so it 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 means he's going to miss a big big key preliminary final so that's big news for the power and we'll have to see how they go forward right now they look like they're doing a pretty good a pretty darn good job even without him there but I thought I I know they were thinking with that extra week of rest because of them winning uh the you know in finals week one that that they might be able to get him back for that time but it does not look like that is going to be the case Now, let's go on to the preliminary final. Let's go into these picks. Let's dive into this. Take a deep breath. Here we go. Cats versus the Demons Friday night. This is a tough one because you can see that Geelong is the experienced team. They've been there before. They're hardened. But I'm going with the Ds. I just think this is a special team this year. I think this is a team that's learned how to win. They've played the tough games. They've played the games down the stretch where they've needed victories at times, and I'm going with the Ds to stop the Cats from making it back to the grand final. On Saturday, Bulldogs versus the Power. Again, the Road Dogs against the Power in their backyard, playing at Adelaide Oval, one of my favorite, if not favorite, stadium in the AFL. And Shedheads, please, do I really need to go any farther? You heard me earlier in the season when I when we were talking about the coming 2021 AFL season. I said the, the power or the Tigers, if the Tigers could make it back there, were my picks. And I'm staying with the power. The power, get it done. They end the Road dog season and play in the grand final against the D's. And what a match that will be. Now let's go into the guns. And again, there's only one team that this has happened to all season, but it continues. And I picked four guns this week, Shedheads, because I thought it was only fair. So we've got two NRL, two AFL. Let's go. My first gun, I think you already knew it was going to be Turbo's back, back again. Tommy Tommy Travojevich, Turbo, three tries, 302 running meters, six line breaks, one line break assist, Two, two try assists and 19 tackle breaks. If this guy doesn't wear the doesn't win the daily M, I am, am going to be shocked. Turbo is a master class. He's just master class. So Tommy again, one of the guns. And then again, I'm going to stay with the same team. How can you not have a guy be your gun when he breaks a record as the number one point getter for the season? breaking Al Mazury's record. Ruben Garrick, three tries, seven for eight conversions, 201 running meters, two line breaks, one line break assist, eight tackle breaks. Ruben Garrick's had an incredible season. And if it wasn't for Turbo being on his team, he'd easily be the player of Manly for this year. But he's got Turbo, so he's an also-ran. But congratulations to both those guys, manly representing, manly going, how should I say, like a freight train into the finals. Now, my two guns for this week for the AFL, Tom Hawkins, I told you about Big Tom, five goals, one behind, 19 disposals, nine kicks, 10 handballs, eight marks, tw- two hitouts, and 228 meters gained. A great game for an old veteran. But Tommy Hawkins, three goals late uh, in the fourth quarter, or in the fourth quarter, really helped, how should I say, give the the, the uh, greater Western Sydney, give the Giants the don't argue, and to keep them at bay so Geelong could get across the tape. So Tom Hawkins is my gun for the AFL. And then my last gun, Charlie Cameron, and I know that, that his Lions lost. But the guy had six goals in the last two rounds. He had three goals this game. One behind, 13 disposals, 10 kicks, three handballs, four marks, five tackles, and 207 meters gain. I have to tell you something. Charlie Cameron is one of my favorite players to watch. That mustache, I don't know how he could run that fast with that much hair on his upper lip. He's incredible. And the energy the guy has... It's uh it's something special to see him kick a goal at the GABA and hear that crowd chant Charlie. It's 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 one of those magical moments that teams have, um, you know, that, that just make them close to their players. And I love to watch it. So those are my guns of the week. Now, as we go on outside the bubble, I only have one question for you guys. Shedheads, are you ready for some football? I know I am gridiron NFL, whatever you want to say starts tonight, starts right now in a matter of moments with the kickoff of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys and the season begins. Now, I don't know what it means. I don't think the Cowboys are going to fare well tonight. A lot of people are hinting that the Buccaneers are going to go unbeaten this season. Not going to happen. Not gonna happen, not gonna happen. They, are, they will lose this season. But I don't when you look on paper, we don't even know how healthy Dak really is. And I think the Bucks take care of the Cowboys tonight. But it is excited that the NFL starts, like I said, in a matter of moments. So I hope you're ready. Hope you have your fantasy teams picked, and I hope you got your popcorn ready. Now, unfortunately. When we talk about football, we talk about NRL, we talk about AFL, we know the injuries are prevalent in the game and unfortunately can cost teams a season with certain people going down. That being said, that's why this story is so crazy because just today at Baltimore Ravens practice, they cut practice short because of two key injuries that could be ACL injuries that could definitely affect the season for the Baltimore Ravens. Starting running back Gus Edwards and quarterback Marcus Peters both received substantial knee injuries today at practice. I don't know why the Ravens were doing this hard of a practice this close to their game, but a lot of people are, are really hinting and pointing that these could be ACL injuries. And if both of these guys are done for ACL, the Ravens were already in trouble because of running back. The running back position is in real dire straits for the Baltimore Ravens. And if Gus, if Gus is done, the Ravens season could be done. That's how big of a blow this could be. So we'll have to wait to see, but that is horrible news coming out of Ravens camp. Now, I think we all know that this is going on. I don't think any of us want to admit it's going on, but I think we all know that it's going on. But Boston Red Sox outfielder Hunter Renfro said in an interview that Major League Baseball told the Boston Red Sox organization to stop testing players for COVID because they were having a COVID outbreak and just to treat the symptoms of the players. If that doesn't make you sick to your stomach and want to punch that general, or should I say that commissioner, Adams, let's not even say names, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. We'll just say that, the commish. If that doesn't make you want to just push this guy off a high hill to watch him roll down it, because if you don't believe this isn't true, you're lying to yourself. Major League Baseball has already proven they make mistake after mistake after mistake. They will not strip the Houston Astros of their championship, even though they, they're proven to be cheated. They didn't strip the Boston Red Sox. Of their championship. Even though they were proven to be cheating. The managers for both these clubs. Are already back managing clubs again. The actual Red Sox manager. Is back with that same team. Major League Baseball just can't get out of it's own way. And if, you, if you're if you looking at me to say that I'm surprised to hear. That Major League Baseball said this to kind of save face. To make it seem like things aren't as bad. You'd be crazy. I don't trust Major League Baseball as far as I can throw it. It is a game that is holding on by threads to stay in the upper echelon of sports. And when your average viewer, which they took a poll, the average viewer for Major League Baseball is a white male, 56 years of age. You're in trouble because your demographic is aging out. Now, do I am I saying this because I don't like baseball? No, I do like baseball. I don't watch a lot of Major League Baseball, but you've heard me do a story on here about the about the Padres, the Swinging Friars, a team that I said brought in a lot of excitement to the game, even though they've kind of sputtered out recently. But Major League Baseball is at a crossroads, and they don't want any type of bad publicity or press, and so that is why they want to get quiet about about the Red Sox outbreak. About the Yankees having outbreaks and allegedly only a one player getting COVID on teams. We all know this. When one guy usually has it and you're not fully testing or whatever, more than one guy on your team has COVID. It just is what it is. It's a horrible, horrible virus. But it usually just doesn't affect one guy on a team. So Major League Baseball, please get out of your way for once. And if you're not going to get out of your way, at least just give us the facts. Man, it just that really makes me upset. And finally, I hope you've been watching it. It's been bringing a lot of joy to me because I've really, really enjoyed watching the U.S. Open finals, uh, or just the U.S. Open. Some people call it the final series, whatever. But I've been really enjoying watching the U.S. Open this year. Uh, You know, Novak Djokovic is on the quest to get the career, the calendar year slam. Had a tough match against Berrettini last night. Came through. uh, Look. Pretty easy towards the you know after that first set, but we've got some incredible semifinals matches set up. Uh, Sabalenka versus Fernandez. Fernandez being one of the teenagers that are remaining left on the women's side. The big the little lefty looks like a little gymnast, but has an incredible forehand against the powerful Sabalenka. Sabalenka with all of the history. A little bit of she definitely has. more of the strike and the standpoint that she's been here before even though the crowd favorite will be Fernandez it is going to be an incredible match to watch and then Sakari versus Radacuna Ra- excuse me Radacanu incredible match that's going to be uh, It's. I'm telling you both these female semifinal matches are going to be joys to watch uh, I am not picking any of these matches I'm just going to sit back and watch them but if it was me I would go with Sabalenka and Sakari to prevail over the teenagers. But again, that's why you play the matches. For the men's semifinals tomorrow, we've got Novak Djokovic against Zverev. Uh, they played in the Olympics. Zverev won, even though Noli won the first set and had a, was up a break in the second. Zverev righted the ship and came back and won it, kind of starting Novak's uh, implosion for the rest of the Olympics. But it's tough to bet, bet against Noli. Even though I'm saying you're playing against a Hatsverev player. Uh, I think the question just is, is, does the pressure of winning that, that uh, calendar year slam get to him? Uh, but it's going to be really intriguing to watch that match. And then Medvedev versus FAA, Ajay Alassim. It will be question of if Medvedev's movement can continue to be strong on the courts there. Or if FAA is finally going to give us a breakthrough, one of the young guns that's coming up, finally pushes his way through to a final. Um, and that is going to be very interesting to see uh, who prevails in that. They've played before. They've been they've been tight, close matches. Uh, they played, I think, up in Canada uh, a few, I think, a couple years ago. Um, they went to a third set tiebreaker. So, Really, 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 really exciting and intriguing semifinals matches to watch. And I hope you're able to take some of those in. I know it's going to be tough for some of you because you'll be watching uh, Thursday Night Football tonight. But trust me, you should be able to check out pretty quick because the Cowboys will probably go down in a blaze of glory early. Like I said, blaze of glory, little young guns too for you. But that being said, Shedheads, please check your local local listings. Get your times down. Uh, All of these... Preliminary finals and finals matches for week one for the NRL and the AFL will be on the FS1, FS2, Fox Soccer Channel. So you'll be able to watch all of these. Get your D- your DVRs, your TiVos, whatever you use. Get them recorded. Or be like me, be sleep-deprived and stay up and watch them. Stay safe. Continue to mask up. COVID is still real. Uh, but before I end, I just want to give a shout-out to my godson, it is his birthday. Uh, Rory, um, it is your birthday, and the one of the reasons it's so beautiful is because my godson shares his birthday with my father, uh, my dad, who taught me about sports, who made me a competitive sob that I am to this day. Uh, Loved to, to to bet on his college football and his football, but it is a a big day for me. Uh, I think about my dad and it's it's really special for me uh, to be able to honor him today and also to bring that to your guys' attention. Uh, really, Herman Jackson, uh, a very, very strong man and and a guy that kind of got me into my love of, like I said, sports and spicy food. So happy birthday, Dad. Uh, another crazy little side note to my dad's birthday is that he actually passed away on 9-11. So he died two days after his birthday on a day that in America is is very much a, 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 a I guess, a, a sorrowful, solemn day. But it's been kind of solemn for me for quite a while because I lost my dad on that day. But happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, Rory. But shed heads until next week, please stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. Stay safe out there. This has been Corey Jackson for Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, get excited. Next week's going to be a blast, and let's see what we do with these picks. Until that time, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends, and show them what Australian sport is all about.